This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. So here it goes. Gary Barlow doesn't understand diddly squat about money. Okay, he's, he's proudly said, his spokesman said he doesn't understand anything about money. He's a musician. He knew enough to put it into a tax thing, didn't he? But apparently, Gary, being the, and obviously trying to do damage limitation, has come out and said uh, he's going to leave no stone unturned. I thought, you don't even understand money, love. How on earth are you going to understand the, the revelations of sort of howing, you know, having to pay less tax? I've got no idea. And he's thinking of suing the advisor. So in other words, he's so dumb, he's got no idea. And you think to yourself, wait a minute, Katie Mellua said this the other day. I don't know anything about money, but I know damn well if I'm putting it into a scheme to save myself tax. Oh, yes, I do. All of that and the bad news this morning. Christine Bleakley might be back on your television anytime soon. I mean, God knows we've campaigned to keep the poor soul off. Nobody. I mean, she was a dismal failure on the one show. She was a worse failure, I'm afraid, on the uh, the breakfast programme with Adrian Childs. I mean, it was a case of dumber and dumber, I'm afraid, on the programme. It was really bad. And then the other day, she didn't get the gig. Holly Willoughby's gig went to Amanda Holden. But they're saying, oh, don't worry, Christine will be back on the television. Nobody likes her. Nobody likes her. I cannot understand why they're persisting with this poor woman. She's, she's probably perfectly pleasant. You know, as a, as a human being, as a real person, she's probably perfectly pleasant. But to be honest, nobody watches her on the television. Nobody likes her on the television. She's got irritant factor. Nobody. It's like there was a piece by Charlie Catchpole who said uh, he, he doesn't like Vanessa Feltz. I've never found anybody who does like Vanessa Feltz apart from Vanessa Feltz, but he feels sorry for the fact that she's been trawled by these internet trolls. But, I mean, there again, she must have known about this. For, she must have been having this stuff for years. I don't believe it's just started now. Absolutely not. Internet trolls have been around for ages. Ages and ages and ages. And so all of a sudden she sort of jumped onto this bandwagon because they've trolled her. They must have been trolling her for a long time, going, you're rubbish, nobody likes you. You know, lose weight, fatty, all this kind of stuff. It goes on every day. Everybody at some point gets bullied by an internet troll. And all you have to do, you know, is perhaps she doesn't know. Perhaps she doesn't know. You just report them to the police. The police sort them out very quickly, literally like that fast. That fast. You get them into court or you have them, uh, you have them sorted out. Very easy to do. Very easy to do. But, but nobody seems to like her. The amount of people I've spoken to in the newspaper business who go, does anybody like Vanessa Feltz? And I've gone, she's a bit like Christine Bleakley. She doesn't have likability factor. And I don't know what the likability factor is. They've either got it or they haven't. And she appears not to have it. But Richard Desmond adores her, so every Richard Desmond paper he puts her on the front page because he seems to like her. Perhaps he's got a fascination with her. But, you know, she keeps going, this is my boyfriend, Ben Afoda, or whatever his name is, who was at one time, about five million years ago, in a group that had one hit single. And they're still, it's my fiancé. I'm not sure whether or not she perhaps sees him as a sort of a, a money train, because he can't be earning diddly squat, can he? She must be the breadwinner. So, uh, so she's in a couple of the papers today, and, uh, and if Gary Barlow's listening, nobody thinks you're evil. Nobody thinks you're evil. I don't know why you would think people would think you're evil. We don't think you're evil. People just are not buying into the idea that you go, I don't know anything about money. Because you quite clearly do. You know, we're not dumb. Please don't patronise us. Please don't say, Gary doesn't know anything about this. He's just a musician. Well, there you go. I make rock cakes. Doesn't mean to say I don't understand about money. And if my accountant says, listen, uh, I thought I'd put your money into this thing. He's not doing it just to sort of keep, you know, avenging the war widows or something like that. He's doing it for tax reasons. 
And that's why, you know, you don't have to be Einstein to realise that these people put their money into different accounts to try and pay the least amount of tax. I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, don't insult us by pretending you don't know what the hell's going on, because you quite clearly must do, unless you really are that dumb. But I don't believe it. I believe Gary Barlow to be highly intelligent and to know exactly... Of course, the worst thing was, he got caught out. Jimmy Carr got caught out and immediately had to backtrack. Katie Melly was going, I don't know anything about money. Now, I've, I've known Katie for years. I mean, you don't have to know anything about money. I don't understand how my bank do my investments. I'm not supposed to do that. That's what I pay them for. But I'm assuming if they're doing it through the bank, they're doing it with legitimate reasons. They're investing my money. I either go low risk, medium risk or high risk. And I go, I think I'll go medium risk because I don't want to lose all my money. I want to make sure that I've still got a little bit there for the much-needed hair transplant or the uh, or the gastric band to be fitted. But when somebody like Gary Barlow, who's quite clearly amassed a small fortune and is a very intelligent person, goes, he doesn't know anything about money, oh, spare me the histrionics, please. It's way too embarrassing for everybody concerned. You know, and then Gary's going to leave no stone unturned in finding out why... He doesn't even understand money! Do you think he can add up? I mean, the way they're painting it, they're painting him out to be the biggest idiot under the sun. Poor soul, honestly. Uh, talking of, of people and, uh, and idiots, uh, Cheryl Cole apparently has closed down one of her companies. She had an Irish company. I think you only pay... Oh, she probably doesn't understand about money as well. I'm think, I have a feeling this morning, ladies and gentlemen, money is the big problem that we've got, I think. Um, and, and in the case of Cheryl, she had an Irish company and that's 12.5% tax. But if the company was over here, I believe, and I know nothing about money, I know one and one make two, but you pay 21% tax over here. Funnily enough, over the last few days, Cheryl has closed down her Irish company. I don't know why it had two and a half million pounds in there. Oh, Cheryl, do you want... Wait a minute. Is it because you're worth it? Is it because you understand exactly if you have something in Ireland? Because I'm not sure if you've got Irish connections. No, maybe not. And so I'm sort of thinking to myself, why would you have an Irish company? It's to sort of reduce your tax bill. As I say, it's not illegal. But then they all do it and go, oh, I didn't know nothing about that. No, don't know. I just let somebody else do it. I mean, I've got an accountant... And to be honest with you, I don't understand what he's doing half the time, but he tells me what my tax bill is, and I pay it. And I promise you now, there is no money offshore. No matter how rich Christo tries to paint me out to be, I do not have an offshore company. I own a couple of countries, all right? It's no big deal. I was advised to do it by the, uh, by the accountant, and he said, listen, buy Guatemala. It's cheap, for God's sake. You know, buy County Galway. It's cheap. Nobody lives there. Buy it. It's tax deductible. They did it years ago, celebrities. They bought up... I think Scottish forest. I was going to say rainforest, but of course it does rain in Scotland, but they bought up forestry because that was tax deductible. I mean, I laughingly, I think a few years ago, put in for hair care. And uh, because that's tax deductible, because I'm self-employed, and if I go out to do an appearance, I want to look nice. And if I want to look nice, then I've got to use proper shampoo to make my, my hair look lustrous. All right, so I don't have any hair, but that's not the point. The tax man doesn't know, he doesn't know me. He hasn't got the faintest idea. He just knows that I'm putting in for a bit of shampoo. I've got jackets and clothes which are which are tax deductible because I use them for my work. Admittedly, many of them don't fit now, but that's it. But, you know, for a celebrity who's amassed millions of pounds to say he doesn't understand anything about money, of course he does. That's why he put the money in there. That's why he agreed to put it in there, presumably protecting his assets. It's not illegal, but don't treat us like prats, please, because it really annoys me. I try not to get too, too annoyed over things like that, but, uh, oh, God, here's another one. Anthony Costa is to appear in Casualty. 
He'll be joined on screen by the Bill and Doctor Who star, Georgia Moffat, and will play her Burns victim fiancé. God, I don't know how the mighty have fallen. One minute playing to thousands of young screaming girls, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony! And the next minute, weeing over a cash point machine over the road by pret manger Anthony! Oh, maybe not so, Anthony. And, uh, and the next thing, turning up as a Burns victim fiancé. That just sounds like the end of the credits, doesn't it? Burns' victim, fiancé, Anthony Colster. We don't see it getting any better. And then the uh, the Tories. Do you know the Rent Boys scandal's not going to go away at all? There must be loads of ageing Rent Boys listening at the moment out there, going, oh, God, we're going to be exposed as Rent Boys. How old are they now? 65, 70. They must be really ancient. So they've got some bloke who's sort of... Um, sort of sold his story to the paper, and he talks about uh, introducing older men to dangerous situations. Apparently, he said somebody phoned him up, a well-known person, and said, I've got some money for a bit of entertainment. Well, in my day, that meant you were getting a juggler and a magician. But apparently, in his day, it meant a rent boy. Did you have any idea? Me neither. I Seriously, if somebody says some entertainment, it might be the woman next door who juggles rabbits or gerbils coming round, and perhaps we could have jelly and ice cream. No, rent boys. I'm frightened to say to anybody in the office, I'm going to go downstairs and do an entertainment show. Because I'm a bit old to be a rent boy. I mean, and then you, you look at this story. It shows no sign of going away at all. It's, in fact, it's building. The House of Commons seems to be an absolute hotbed back in the 70s and 80s. Now, whether it's true or not, I've got no idea. I did know that the former Speaker of the, uh, of the House of Commons, George Thomas, was gay. I don't think anybody... He was, he was Lord Tony Pandy, wasn't he? And I don't think anybody ever sort of thought that he wasn't gay. But he was being blackmailed at one point. And uh, an MP, another MP, has written a book about it, saying, um, you know, he phoned me up and he was saying, oh, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. I'm being blackmailed by this person. I need some money. And there was obviously a lot of it going on. Well, in the 70s and 80s, I don't think I was aware of what anything was at all. As I say, if I thought entertainment was jelly ice cream and a magician or a juggler, I must have been well out of lunch, I'm afraid. So that, that runs in a lot of the papers... For today. Oh, the other story about Cheryl, so to, to, balance, to balance a bad show, a bad story about Cheryl, the good news is she wants to wed her new man. Not fantastic? Geordie Nobody marries a rich man. How long did you give that one? Six months? She's only known him about four months, hasn't she, really? But, I mean, I suppose in Geordie terms, that's actually quite long term. That's practically enough time to have children if you come from Newcastle. With apologies to people in Newcastle. Actually, of course, there will be nobody in Newcastle because you just, just climbed into bed with that kebab. And they'll be staying there at the moment for a most of them. Bloody hell, this girl on the radio is doing me head in. You just see it now, can't you? So she wants to wet her new man. Yeah, what do you think they talk about? He's sort of sophisticated and has a pop-up shop in, in Cannes. And she comes from a run-down council estate in Newcastle. What have they got in common? What do they talk about? Do you think she just sits there and goes, I smile a lot and I don't know nothing. I smile. And that's it. Because every time I've seen her being interviewed on television, she just sits there and smiles. She looks at, Sometimes you think to yourself, is she waiting for the ambulance? Is, are we literally, are we that one second away from an ambulance arriving? Because she sits there and I worry. I worry about the sanity of the poor girl because she spends most... Perhaps she... I mean, we know she doesn't understand about it much. I mean, can you imagine explaining the tax laws in this country? But she knew enough to have a company in Ireland, didn't she? With two and a half million in. I tell you, there's more things in heaven and earth, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so glad it's Sunday morning and I'm so glad that you've got me. Because you could have had somebody else and it wouldn't have been half as exciting, would it? Quarter past six. Morning, everybody. Welcome along to Sunday morning. It's very overcast. When I drove through, I drove back down the motorway 
yesterday, because we went out for, uh, for dinner, for Jeanne, very nice indeed, and uh, they have a new dog, the godchildren have a new dog called Oreo, so they have one called Cookie, now we've got Oreo, and I trod on it yesterday, I thought I killed it, honestly, it's so tiny, it's like, it's like, it's like a cotton bud, but with legs. It's, it's tiny. I mean, it's, it's really, it's very small, this thing. But unfortunately, because Cookie's a bit older, both from the same mother, but obviously at different times, and the latest one, Oreo, uh, she attacks Cookie. So Cookie was already in the house, and now you've got this little one. And if Cookie's asleep and the, the Oreo goes over, <laughs> Cookie gets up and walks away. Because the little one starts nipping at, uh, at his ankles. But it, they're still cute. They're absolutely cute at that age. I quite like the idea that they're a bit like godchildren. It's fantastic. You can, you can sort of go down there, you can play with the dogs, and then you just give them back at the end of the day. I mean, isn't that great? You don't have to worry about sort of picking... And all over the place, they've got what they call wee mats. Dog owners will know what these are. And they look like sort of a giant sort of duster-type thing. It's sort of white, absorbent. And they've got them one by the front door and one in the conservatory. And the dog knows that that's to go to the toilet on. Because you don't want them going in the garden, because apparently it just kills the grass. So they've got little little coloured patches all over the garden. It's quite sweet though, quite sweet. So we had a, we had a nice uh, had a nice dinner, and I drove back. And I'm sort of you know what it's like when you're really tired and you're thinking. I can understand how people drown, and the reason I say that is because whenever you watch anything on the uh, on the on the television, and they show you the Titanic, it's it's people who then who then sort of go there and they can't hold their breath any longer and you just think, you know, to be honest with you, I can't be doing with it. I'm a bit like that when I'm driving late at night. You think to yourself, it would be so easy to have an accident because you get so tired, you're forcing your eyes open, you're singing to yourself. And I I didn't follow my own advice. I should have had some apple in the car or some chewing gum to sort of wake me up a little bit. Anyway, we managed to get... But I was bursting for the toilet. (gasps) And when you're a diabetic and you want to go to the toilet, you, like, really want to go to the toilet. And I was thinking, I don't think I'm going to make it home. I seriously don't think I'm going to make it home. And, you know, I broke with tradition. I pulled into an industrial estate, I'm afraid. Much to my deep embarrassment. I'm telling you this now, in case I was caught on CCTV. Nothing worse than climbing out the Bentley and running around the back of a wheelie bin. But anyway, so that's what I had to do. Luckily, there was nobody around. Uh, But, I mean, it was that feeling of relief. You know, when you've got to go, you've just got to... And I couldn't have made it home. I could not have made it home, so I rushed round the back of a wheelie bin. I felt a bit guilty about it, but then, you know, after I'd been, I didn't feel guilt at all. <laughs> felt so much better about life. So there you go, see? We're all human in this business. When you've got to go, you've got to go. And so I drove back, and halfway down the motorway, the heavens opened. And it was like driving through a monsoon. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, blimey. You know when you put the windscreen wipers on, they go, ch ch I had them like that, because I couldn't see through the, through the rain. And, it was, and the same coming in this morning. I got in the car, and it just started to rain, so it ruined the hair. You can imagine, not, not in the best frame of mind. I get in the car, and, and I thought, I was going to get today some grapes. And I was obviously so absent-minded that I drove straight past Shepherd's Bush and the Marks and Spencers. So I had to come all the way into town, then go all the way down, and the, over there, Bayswater, and off there. I was going to go to Waitrose, but they, they seemed to be closed. So I went all the way down. And I picked up the grapes, and I came back, so I was a little bit late. But by this time, the heavens had opened, and it was really absolutely tippied out, which is OK, but it got rid of my collection of insects which I'd collected on the number plate as I was driving down the motorway yesterday, and I had them all over the windscreen. I mean, for some reason, insects love my car. It's like a bit of a zoo for them. They throw themselves at it with wild abandon. So I ended up yesterday... I mean, I thought I must have gone through a mosquito storm because I must have about a 100 mosquitoes who were plastered, their little legs in all directions, their little faces pressed up against the screen, all over the windscreen. And then it rained, and they've all gone. 
a whole collection like that just wiped out. It was like my own mini tsunami. So I sort of drove in, and I thought, oh, I hope it doesn't rain today, because I've got to meet my brother. And uh, it's um, not meeting until 11, so I've got to kind of stay awake till 11, which is OK. But I didn't get much sleep, so I climbed into bed yesterday. I got very angry because I couldn't make the DVD player work, and I cannot go to sleep without the DVD player on. So I was banging the lid of it. In the end, I was getting quite annoyed. I thought, I'm going to throw it against the wall in a minute, or I might have to buy another one. And so eventually I go to sleep, and then blow me down. It seemed like within five minutes, the alarm clocks are going off. So I try and be good. When I get out of bed in the morning, I'm very good. I normally bounce out of bed, but I'd been in bed about three hours. So I sort of fall out of bed, and I thought, oh, God. You know what it's like? You just don't feel as... You turn the light on and immediately start walking into doors. And my favourite trick is to stub my toe on the bathroom door. And I do it without fail at least once a week. And each week, I think, I must get some fluffy slippers. Because at least it might protect my feet. So I, I get into the bath, you turn the light on, and immediately you're blinded. It's like somebody set flashlights off in front of you. So I get myself ready. And uh, so then I'm watching a bit of television, and I'm, I'm thinking, it'd be so easy, wouldn't it, just to close your eyes and then, and then drift away. And, and that's the way I felt this morning. But then driving in, I felt a bit better about life, and I bought some little oranges in. But I had to get K grapes. So maybe she's not bought any expensive today, because I just bought her some grapes. Because I think grapes are handy. If you're a radio presenter and you're sitting there, you know, it's just, you could just pop a grape, and it's, it's quite nice. You know, it's not like you have to peel an orange. And this week's Stig who's going to be with Kay just after the news at 8 o'clock this morning. They gave him his own column in The Sun. I mean, he works for The Sun anyway, so they obviously nobody else wanted to do it. And they went, uh, you can have the column for today. And so he did the column, and uh, it was quite good. It was OK. So one week Kay gets a column, and then the next week he gets a column. I mean, by the way we're going, I should have one by about Christmas, which would be quite nice. My own little Steve Allen's thoughts on the world. Won't take up too much room. Uh, but there is this story about this EastEnders guy. And the only reason I mention it, because I'm, I don't know anybody in EastEnders... Ever since Barbara left, I've got... I really don't know. I couldn't even tell you if the Mitchells are still in it. I know that Ian Beale's still in it. The Mitchells are still there. And I'm assuming that there's still some market stall holders. But there's a guy here, and his name is Dexter Harmon. He's actually the mechanic. His name's Carly Best. Now, I seem to remember him before. I think he's had a bit of history with EastEnders, because I heard Christo mentioning it, and I remember thinking, ah, wait a minute, this bloke we've had before. Anyway, he turns out to be not a very nice person. Because he, uh, he punches a taxi driver in the face over a, over a fare, £61. Now, I couldn't... When I first heard Christo repeating the story, I thought, no, it can't be true. Surely he, w- he wouldn't be that stupid, would he? He can't be that thick. He can't be. He's already been in trouble with EastEnders before. Didn't they suspend him for a little while? And, um, and then this happens, and the police gave him a caution. I think, no, you can't be that dim. Can, can you really be that stupid? You're not on drugs, are you, or something? I mean, what would be the reason why you would lash out a taxi driver? You get in a taxi. I mean, pardon me for having to explain to you, but you're quite clearly a bit thick, aren't you? So you get in a taxi, you run up a bill, you get the other end, and he, the taxi driver goes, it's £61, and then you punch him in the face. And EastEnders say, we will not tolerate uh, that kind of behaviour. So his job is hanging by a thread. Hanging by a thread?! You've got a thug like that on EastEnders. Are you, are you stupid down there? Kick him out immediately. Kick him out immediately. You don't want people... I don't want people like that on my television, thank you very much, Nick. Bad enough that White D might be appearing on Celebrity Big Brother. She'll be good at that. She'll just have to sit on her fat bottom and do nothing. That'll be well used to. But mind you, as everybody's advised her... Well, she won't take advice because she's a bit thick as well. Is uh, This is the downward spiral, love. There'll be nothing after this. Not a thing. Not a thing. But when I look at this stupid actor, Carly Best, he only joined EastEnders in 2013, 
and he got major plot lines. And quite clearly, he's, he's, he was named Best Newcomer. Best Pratt, I think, I'm afraid. I've never anybody so stupid in my entire life. Are you really that dim? Are you really that simple? Are you really that nasty? And EastEnders go, it's hanging by a thread. There should be no hanging by a thread at all. They should absolutely, they should condone this. Somebody who goes out and punches somebody in the face. Do me a favour. It broke this man's spectacles. He looked like he said he was totally out of it. Mm, I have a feeling you might be right. I mean, let's face it, it's not normal behaviour, is it? I don't go out there, get in a taxi, and then they go, it's £32, Steve, and I go, like, you just don't do that, do you? Unless you're off your face. And I suspect, Carly Best, they should kick you out of EastEnders and nobody should ever employ you again because you're too stupid for your own good. I suppose we'll have a story in the paper, I was not responsible for my actions. I had no idea somebody must have put something in my drink. You idiot. If EastEnders don't kick you out, I'm going to start a campaign, mate. You bet your bottom dollar. You know, I don't like people like you. It was bad enough with Jack Tweed. Remember that thug who married Jade Goody on her deathbed? And then went out there, he went to prison because he punched a taxi driver. Who do people think you are? Who do you think you are, Carly? You're nobody. You are a nobody. A nobody. You know, it might be best new newcomer, mate, but in the brain department, non-existent, I'm afraid. So I'm going to start a campaign. I'm going to make sure they kick you out of EastEnders. If I have to pull strings in very low places. <sighs> That's much better. I don't think anybody should have to put up with that. Can you imagine this poor taxi driver's wife sitting at home and he comes home black and blue because some, some third-rate no-mark from EastEnders punches you in the face. <laughs> oh, God, I tell you. Oh! So glad it wasn't me, pal. So glad it wasn't me. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Cheryl Cole has the worst tattoo of all time. She can talk to her new fella about that. Do you not reckon he's seen it already? <laughs> Come on, I'm not that naive. I reckon Cheryl goes away, eh? Look, my ass. Look, look, look. Uh, that's a huge tattoo all over it. It cost a fortune, that did. And he went, lovely. So let's talk about the schooling you had. No, look at my tattoo. Look, look, look where the rose goes. Look! She'd be so excited, wouldn't she, about that? She's such a simpleton, poor soul. Um, Gary Barlow. Steve? I think not. Actually, t- they're all my favourite people in the papers today. Guess what? Greg, um, what's his name from the celebrity programme? Greg, whatever his name is. You know the one whose businesses collapse one after the other? He's going on the Celebrity Come Dancing programme. He's going on it because he thinks it's going to revive uh, the public's interest in him. <laughs> I don't think so. Greg Wallace. Greg Wallace, not and nobody likes Greg Wallace, do they? Isn't it funny? Look, there are certain people that we don't like on the television. I don't know why we don't like them. I can't quite. And I've talked it over with people before on why certain people do not have likability factor. You know, when you look at, at somebody like Louisa Zisman, she just comes over as smug and talentless. When you look at Cheryl Cole, she's a professional Geordie. It's only because she's living example of how far you can go with looks. When it comes to intelligence, nothing going on, nothing, empty, empty. <sighs> Nothing between nothing at all. There are literally clouds going around in between her ears. It's nothing. You could literally shine a torch through one ear; it pop out the other side. Seriously, there's nothing in the middle, nothing holding it together. And Louisa Zisman, I, I hate to mention her because she was the one the other day who praised the girl in Magaluf who looked after 24 men and said, "Oh, it's her body; she can do what she." And I thought to myself, you know, I'm so glad you've got a daughter. And she's got so much to look forward to with a mother like you. Anyway, it turns out that having claimed she made nearly one and a half million. Um, she came second in The Apprentice. That's called failure, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, her company has now recorded a £15,000 loss. So she owes more than £15,000. She also closed down Dixie's Cupcakes in a hometown of St Albans. Big up St Albans. 
And uh, then she set up an umbrella firm selling electronics online. Oh, don't you just predict spectacular failure? Don't you just predict it? Oh, here's Katie Price. Oh, my God, you're all attractive. And uh, she was joined by her uh, love rat husband, Kieran, here in afternoon as The Doormat. Yes, poor old, poor old Kieran, the little boy who has to trail behind the has-been model because uh, he discovered somebody better looking, more intelligent and quite clearly more fun as the affair went on for seven months. But uh, he was due to spend the weekend with Katie after being invited to a baby shower. You really are a nobody, aren't you? What's the matter with you? Can't you man up or something? Are you just so wussy? You know, you want you, you go off for seven months with somebody else. You haven't been married to her for a few months, admittedly, given the choice. Katie Price or Jane. I mean, come on, it was a no-brainer, wasn't it, really? I think everybody was going, oh, Jane's far more intelligent. It was like Preston, wasn't it, from The Ordinary Boys. Had a gorgeous French girlfriend, very intelligent, university-educated. He goes off with Chantel. Chantel, ladies, I mean, really? What do they, I mean, what does she do? Rearrange Lego bricks. I can't think of anything else she does. It's hilarious, isn't it? Other stories in the paper today. Oh, yes, it's all going on, I'm afraid, over in Towie, as I will be telling you in a moment. LBC News Time. It's 6.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Good news, good news this morning, being Sunday morning, leisure. Robbie Williams wants to do pantomime. Is that fantastic? I know every time you hear him sing, it is a bit pantomime. I know you probably think to yourself, it's really good if you're an average karaoke singer. And so he could do pantomime quite easily, and they think he could take over from Christopher Biggins. Do you know, if only Robbie Williams had more than a... had sort of more than a tenth of the talent that Biggins has in his little finger, it'd be interesting. Biggins has been doing pantomime since God created heaven and earth and Moses floated out of the bulrushes. And he does it very, very, very well. I mean, he is the expert. There used to be a dame before him, a guy called Jack Tripp. And Jack Tripp was one of those great... Da- Ronnie... Uh, uh, Ronnie... Um, um, Ronnie Corbett. He was a very good dame as well. In fact, when they used to dress up for the two Ronnies, he, he looked quite good, actually, as a woman. I never talked about that too much. Just going back to Gary Barlow, briefly. Um, you know, when, when we talk about Gary Barlow and he says, I'm not evil, I don't know where that came from. Nobody's saying he's evil. What he did, he has money, and together with uh, Mark Owen, uh, the manager of Take That, and Howard Donald, they plunged... Uh, money, ploughed, how much money do you think? I mean, I could understand this. If this was sort of, you know, somebody putting in £300,000 or £150,000. £66 million goes in. £66 million. That's how much money is floating around. And he goes, oh, he doesn't know anything about money at all. He knows exactly what it is. He knows exactly what it is. Everybody has a duty to know things. He's not a stupid man. Although, ironically, when this, uh, when this surfaced about three months ago, he's all but vanished off the face of the earth. I think the only time we ever saw him was pushing his luggage through uh, JFK Airport. And so they say it's uh, an, an incredible, incredibly complex issue, and Gary's looking at it. Well, he won't understand it. If he doesn't understand money, how's he going to understand the taxation system? This is where people who've got lots of money, and it doesn't apply to you or I, it only applies to people who've got lots of money. And they put it into schemes whereby, you know, you pay as little tax as possible. It's protecting your interests. We'd all do it. If we were in a similar situation, we would do it. I'd be the first one to go, yeah, you found me a scheme that's going to what? Pay only 12% tax as opposed to what? 40 Really? Put it in there. Of course you would. Of course you would. That's what you'd be doing. You know, for somebody like Gary Barlow to not know where his money is shows either gross incompetence or ignorance. And I don't believe he's either of those things. I really don't. Oh, look. Here's a picture of 
Kelly Brook again. It's so lovely. I, I do love Kelly Brook when she's in America. She goes out with this plank of a... Sorry, this, uh, this boyfriend of hers, who apparently used to be a gladiator. Although, to be honest with you, it looks more like somebody who's been part-time working in a gay gym. But anyway, he's, he's out there, and he's with her, and it's all very lovely. But she goes out with full makeup on in Los Angeles. Nobody wears full makeup in Los Angeles. The heat melts it. People stand there at bus stops dripping colours. Seriously, they stand there. The orange, the black, the mascara, it's all running down. But Kelly goes out there. Do you know the good thing? She's got her own photographer. She takes her own photographer with her. So they get a... Because over there, no one knows who she is. Who is it? And it's some bloke... You know, and, and with lots of tattoos and Kelly Brook. And so they always try and make it look as though it's all a bit sort of, oh, look, surprise, surprise. A photographer snapped her on the, like a paparazzi. Nobody knows her. Nobody knows her. They've got no idea who she is at all, poor soul. And, uh, and then swimming hero Ian Thorpe has admitted, wait for this. Hold, your, hold yourself back. Hold yourself back. Three, three legs, two heads, you know, given to charity. He's gay. I, I told you. Shock horror probe. In this day and age, the sun tell you that a, a swimming ace is gay. Unbelievable. You'll be telling me next, there might be gay reporters at the sun. No! Can't believe I said it. Can't believe I said it. There might actually be gay... Do you think there might ever be gay editors? No! Gay editors. Can't believe, can't believe I even said that. Why do they make such a big deal about something this day and age? We are in the year 2014. It's not Victorian times, is it? I just want to make sure I'm in the right year. 2014, July 13th, yeah. Olympic legends, I'm gay. <laughs> said in hushed tones. It's like it's sort of some big deal. You know, Tom Daly, I'm gay. No! Good heavens above! Liberace, I'm gay. No, you're not! You can't be. You know, it's, it's just... They make such a big deal about something nowadays. He was doing an interview with Michael Parkinson. And to be honest with you, Parky, Parky, Parky. You know, it must have got a big... So tell me, are, are, are you homosexual? You know, you can see that. Yes, I am. Mary, start the car. You can just see that now. He gets a bit frightened by things like that, because he, he's a bit butch, Parky. He's a bit butch. When he used to have a show... I don't think he ever had anybody openly gay on the show. Didn't he have anybody openly gay? Because he's, he's from Yorkshire, and I don't think they have gay people in Yorkshire. I'm totally convinced they don't exist. I think you get as far as Watford Gap, and then I think, it, I think a lot of gay men then become heterosexual. It's quite popular, I think, up north. You know, because the moment you get to whippets and flat caps, I mean, who can be... You can't be gay with a whippet. You cannot be gay. You can only be butch. And you go fishing and you eat Eccles cakes. There aren't any gay people in Manchester or anywhere like that. They've had them annihilated. Uh, or they go into swimming or they go into, um, they go into sort of athletic things, you know, so they can mix with other people, you know, who, who might be like-minded. It's like tennis players. There are, more, there are more gay tennis players than any other sport in the land. I remember one time there was an interview with, uh, with um, a heterosexual female tennis player. I'm rare in this day and age, but there you go, she was heterosexual. And she said that if you're a young girl on the circuit, it was quite, it was quite predatory, the amount of elderly lesbians that there were on the circuit. I remember thinking, Really? Never thought about it. Never thought about it before, but uh, obviously it is true, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, being caught short, somebody says, for a tenner you can buy a small portable urinal, says John. Yeah. Do I sound like the sort of person who's going to send a £10 note on something like that? He said, uh, have, it, <laughs> have made a smart black leather case to keep it in and you're the complete travelling man. It's not physically possible, I don't think, for men to go to the toilet sitting in a car. It's, more, it's easier for women to do that. Men can't. We're, we're sitting at the wrong angle. So uh, I only mention that because I have tried that before. Um, we finally found Wi-Fi, says uh, Alicia. Uh, they're in a, a beef... Sorry, in a beach shack. A beef shack. <laughs> they're in a beach shack in the British Virgin Islands. The only thing we've had to drink, copious amounts of wrong cocktails. Oh, dear. But we are still afloat. We, we're going to anchor up and have breakfast with you. How nice. 
I couldn't, I couldn't drink alcohol for breakfast. I don't care who I am. But I discovered a nice drink the other day. It's, it's very rare that I go for a, a kind of a juice thing. I don't do juice. Being diabetic, it's, it doesn't sit well with me. But I do like, not huge amounts of it, but I do like a glass of coconut water. And I buy coconut water in Costco and I buy big packs of it. And I discovered one the other day, coconut water and watermelon juice from Marks and Spencer's. You get three cartons for a fiver. But I, if, I always think if I buy three cartons, I might have to drink three cartons. So I, if I buy one, it's about two ninety five, I think. And it's quite ice cold. It's delicious. Absolutely delicious. And it's just, I think it's about 50% um, watermelon juice and 45%, I think, coconut water. And I can't remember what the other stuff is. There's a few percentages of obviously something strange wandering around in there. But I haven't, I haven't quite fathomed out what it is. I'll have to have a look later. But it's delicious, ice cold. It really is. And um, coconut water is very good for you. I know people hate it. It's like the other day. What did I have the other day in the, in the restaurant? We had uh, lychees. I love lychees. And you asked around the table, and there were seven of us yesterday. And I said, who, who doesn't like lychees? Most of the table put their hand up. They don't. They're funny. People don't like perfumed things that look like eyeballs. They go, ooh, horrible. And I go, they're really not. They go, ooh, no, Uncle Steve, no. And yet they'll all plough into all sorts of strange food. But I, I like them. I absolutely love things like that. I was, I was, I was very good. Lychees and ice cream. How common am I? I'm a bit Cheryl Cole, aren't I? Ooh, ice cream with that. <laughs> I think we've all fallen in love, says Noreen, with Oreo. It, well, as I say, having stepped on the poor little soul yesterday, he's very lucky to be there. Could have broken his back, I suppose. Because he has a habit of sleeping under the settee. And then, as obviously he heard voices, so he moved down right underneath my feet. But, of course, I didn't see him because the last time I'd looked, he was at the other end. It's a real, it's a real pain, but, I mean, absolutely lovely. It really is. It's, uh, I recommend dogs for anybody. You know, if you like that kind of... If you don't, if you don't like dogs, you know, then don't, don't get one. But uh, they are fun. They, 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 do, they do make me laugh, actually, dogs. 84850, steve at Um What else we got in the paper today? This is... Um, uh, oh, dear... I'm, try- I'm trying to find something that's sort of going to put a smile on your face. And, you know, we're a bit, we're a bit few and far between, ladies and gentlemen, today. We are a bit... Uh, I, te- I did feel a bit embarrassed for police officers as the news came through the other day that they were saying that police officers are going to have to be nicer to the public. In other words, you know, if they're rude, you can report them. And I thought, what? What? The abuse that police officers get on the street, and they have to stand there and take it. I've seen the police programmes where you get all the all the drunks, and and they stand there and abuse police officers and spit at them, and and, they, and the policemen have to stand there and police women and be nice to somebody. Pfft, not me, I'm afraid. I'd be the first one out with the mace. I have no messing around with these people because they don't respect anybody. They absolutely don't respect anybody at all. Why should the police officers have to respect them? God, they've got enough to worry about as it is nowadays. We don't have to worry about dr- and it's drunks. It's mainly drunks. You know, it is mainly drunks. I'm afraid, and that's you know that's the sad thing that drunks are are the bane of police officers' lives. You know, I've seen three or four of them trying to trying to sort of drag somebody into a police van, and then out the other end they're kicking and screaming. That's the women, the w- women drunks. Oh, goodness me, absolutely terrible. Oh, they've caught Britain's oldest uh, drunk driver. Just when you thought it was Gary Lineker's son. He got done the other day, didn't he? He doesn't work. He doesn't do anything. He's just a lazy layabout. And this is Gary's son by his first marriage. And you sort of look at him and you think, what a waste of space you are. He said, oh, I think I'd like to go work for the BBC. You think you haven't got the intelligence to go and work for anywhere like that. Dreadful. But we found Betty Teague. She's 85. 
She's driving on the road and she's been caught over the limit. She's a drink driver. A drink driver. She was nabbed after enjoying a tipple after a pub meal and she was driving without lights on. There were two people this morning. I nipped into to Shepherd's Bush and somebody in front of me, the police officer obviously didn't see him in their, in their car, he was driving one of these uh, transit things done up to look like a minicab. No lights on. And there was somebody going down the motorway as well last night with no lights on. Dreadful. And uh, she says, I just had one small drink and a meal in the pub, a vodka and Diet Coke. Anybody would think I'd drunk a bottle, you old drunk. You old soak. She says, there's nothing wrong with my driving. I've been on the road since I was 18. She says, I always get in trouble doing favours for people. I just dropped off my grandson. Her husband, George, says it's a shame she loves driving. But she's a drunk. You can't get behind the wheel having a drink. And so she says, I'd only had a small drink. It doesn't matter. You got behind the wheel. At your age, 85, drink affects you differently. You're not a young person anymore. Anybody would think that, you know, I drank a bottle. No, we know you were drunk driving. Drink driving. It's appalling. They stopped a woman the other day on one of these, these police camera programmes, which I'm so addicted to on the television. And, uh, and they stopped this woman because it had been flagged up as having no insurance. And so they pull her in and she, uh, there's another bloke next to her in the car. And uh, she goes, yeah. And they go, um, uh, it, the, the car's showing us no insurance because it comes up on their computer. And so she says, um, you know, oh, um, yeah, but, you know, would you like to come and sit at the back of the car? So they go through a thing. Have you got any insurance? Yeah. Who's it with? Tesco. They've always got an answer, these people. Oh, it's with Tesco. Oh, right. OK. Uh, do, you know, do you have the certificate? No, it's because my, my dad's getting it and I'm paying him the money. Oh, OK. Right. And uh, so do you actually have the... No, I've got, I've got to give him the money and he's going to get the insurance. Oh, right. So you don't have any insurance? Uh, no. OK, the car's showing us no MOT either. I think I've got MOT. Uh, no, you haven't. Oh, wait a minute. Do you have a driving licence? No, no. I've got provisional, goes this bimbo. I've got provisional licence. So he goes, you're not supposed to be driving, are you? Well, I've got to drive my boyfriend home. Anyway, he was off his face. Next thing, he lurches over to the police car and he goes, I'm finishing with you. Her day was not going particularly well. No insurance, no MOT. Uh, the car wasn't even roadworthy and she didn't have a licence and her boyfriend just finished with her publicly and he goes, oh, by the way, love, cheers for the two kids. And I thought, and, then, and the police officers felt sorry for her. I didn't, I was laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. And they went, we're only going to do you for having no insurance, but we're taking the car off you. Hilarious, I love it. Coming up after this, uh, very quick break, oh, Lauren Pope's at the polo. God, they'll let anybody in nowadays, won't they? 14 to 7. It is nice to be company. Cher Lloyd says the X Factor made her feel like she wasn't good enough. Go away. Go away. Go away now. Go back to America. Stay there. Nobody cares about you. I love it when they sort of disappear. They come back here trying to sell an album. We get, no, not interested, love. Really sorry. I'm trying to show some sort of, I'm trying to be caring, but, you know, to be honest with you, I'm really not caring enough. I see that that dreadful old baggage, Chloe Sims, you know, the, the oldest swinger in town. She's going out with little Elliot Wright, who's a bit of a worry in his own own back garden, I'm afraid. He's way too old to be on a programme like this. I mean, he's over 70, isn't he, or something. Anyway, he's going out with this sort of young Chloe Sims, who just looks like some over-made-up old drag queen every time you see her out there. I've never known anybody go out with so much makeup on. We, we were laughing the other day because we were eating in a restaurant in Essex, in Onga-ish, and there's nobody in this restaurant. These are normal Essex people. And we were all saying exactly the same. The people on the Anywhere's Essex 
Nobody dresses like this. Nobody looks like this. Nobody goes out dressed like they're going to be standing on a street corner on the Reaper Barn. You know, nobody goes out dressing like this unless you really are cheap, low-rent chav. You know, blokes going out with sort of loafers on with no socks. You know, that kind of thing. You know, way too... And they've got the little hair shaved at the side. We went to Northfield Market the other day and uh, it was full of blokes who looked like that. They're all covered in spots and zits and everything else. And the, and the girls just look like third-rate old tarts. I mean, it's really embarrassing. And so when you get Chloe Sims out there, and I think one of the papers the other day said to Elliot, because he's not the brightest penny in the box, uh, ditch her because uh, she's a nasty piece of work. She really is a nasty piece of work. But it's so funny that they were going out the other day. The loved-up couple was spotted. They've got their own photographer. You know, because otherwise you're not going to be remotely interested in... Cle- where, where do you think they go? Do they do the harvester? Do you think they do a harvester? I can't imagine them going any more upmarket than that, because he's a bit like, oi, 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 and she's a bit, oi, 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 all a bit like that. All sound like sort of Michael Barrymore's exes, don't they? And my godson, the other day, at 16 years old, went to see Eminem. The noise was unbelievable. He said you could feel your entire chest vibrating with the noise. The sound was apparently the worst ever. And they were... Sta- seven of them went. Seven? Yeah, seven. And they met up with some other people. And he said, you came out there with your ears ringing. And they have... Um, everybody said that the sound system was absolutely atrocious. Also, he said that one of the musicians was smoking. He said what suspiciously looked like a spliff on stage. Now... I've got... This is a 16-year-old boy. They're not stupid nowadays. They know what's going on. And I'm telling you, if that went on down there, heads need to roll over it. I mean, Eminem... I think people came down from up north for this one, because he's not doing anything up north. Uh, And he was supported by Dr Dre, you know, the one with the headphones. And so he came on there. I mean, it was all a little bit too much for them, but he said the sound was absolutely awful. You know, it was way too loud, far too dangerous, far too dangerous. And, uh, you know, it it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And it was the worst sound that he'd ever heard at a major live event. But it was this person smoking what looked suspiciously like something he shouldn't have been smoking on stage. Who's this? This little picture of Lauren Poppy. Lauren Poppy and Lydia, not so bright. And uh, where were they the other day? They went out to polo. But this isn't, this isn't polo like the Royal Family play. This is Essex polo, OK? Which is different, because you go out there, Essex polo, we go, we've got horse, and we hit it with mallet, you know, ball, and we go, we have a drink, and we'll wear lots of makeup, and it'll go fun day out, because they think they're sort of doing something that makes them very posh indeed. And so uh, Lydia Dim was there. And uh, because Lydia's only just popped back into the show because, you know, nobody knew who she was anymore. And so she's popped back in. But sadly, sadly, I don't want this to sound rude. She's put on weight. Uh, Her face now looks a bit bloated. And I was seriously thinking she looked like, as opposed to inhaling a helium balloon, she looked like she'd swallowed one. There's definitely something the matter with her face. And she was uh, sort of recounting and boring the pants off everybody with that dreary old relationship with Arge. You know, which finished about four years ago, and nobody really, nobody cares. I mean, let's face it, he's hung around with Gemma Collins since then, and that must be like sort of hanging around with Moby Dick, I should imagine. But anyway, uh, so Lauren Poppy and Lydia, Lydia Dim uh, go off to the, uh, the polo uh, wearing, I mean, nobody traipses over a field in high heels. I'm sorry, unless you're particularly dim. Nobody, Lauren. And, you know, you shouldn't be there. It's not for people like you, OK? I know it's Essex polo, and, uh, and it's, it, it is a bit naff. It is a bit naff. But, I mean, it's it's very sweet of you to make a contribution, but you don't walk over a field in high heels. Okay. 
posh people don't do that. But there again, you couldn't be posh, could you? I've noticed you're looking somewhat older now. In fact, the whole of the uh, the cast of Made in Essex is looking a good deal older than they were before. They're ageing before our eyes, but they don't seem to be improving mentally. And and you so want that. You so want them to improve. Uh, what was... Um, it's very interesting... Uh, everybody was talking, uh, Christo was talking about the Spice Girls, and it's apparently 18 years or 15 years since they got together. There is a Spice Girl story, and it's of a singer who developed a speech condition after being kicked out of the Spice Girls, told how she was invited to the X Factor audition, and used to be humiliated by former bandmate Mel B. She's not a pleasant person. She never was a pleasant person. I don't know why everybody ever thinks she was a, she was a nice person. She was always the foul-mouthed one. She was always the one for whom every other word was a f word, I'm afraid. And uh, she says the X Factor can ruin people. Of course, it's a television programme. Why don't people get it? I try and explain to people, Britain's Got Talent and the X Factor. It's not there to find somebody. It's there for our amusement. We laugh at those people who can't sing. We laugh at those people who can't juggle. We laugh at those people who've got a speech impediment. We laugh at people who come on there and think they're comedians. We laugh at them. You know, and occasionally it turns up somebody like Sam Bailey. I was listening to her album again. It's, I mean, she freely admits it when we talked. You know, she doesn't have the looks to make it as a, as a glamorous singer. But she's got the voice. She's a singer. That's what she does. She sings. So when you have the panel sitting there, I mean, nobody's interested in Cheryl Cole's average answers to most things. She doesn't know anything that's going on. She doesn't think about the music business. She could probably tell you more the price of Rimmel makeup or something than she could who's actually got talent. Simon Cowell isn't interested in what they sound like. He's interested in what they look like. Is there something there that you can auto-tune in a studio? That's what it's about. They're interested in making money. They're not interested in forging careers for these people. They don't have careers, many of them. They bring out an album or two at best, and then they disappear. They disappear completely. And that's why, when you've got sort of Mel B on a panel, I mean, she's not pleasant. She never was very pleasant. The only reason she's put on there, though, is because she can be a bit feisty, and that's what we're looking forward to, because she can knock Cheryl into shape, because Cheryl's a bit, although, Frank, when she's had a drink, you don't want to go anywhere near her. But, I mean, normally speaking, she just sort of sits there and thinks that she's the be-all and end-all, and she's sort of the glamorous one, and I'm sitting next to Simon, and Simon loves me. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you don't contribute to the show, do you? You don't contribute to the show. So this poor woman, Mel tore into me and pretended she didn't know me. She might have seriously forgotten. She might have seriously forgotten. I mean, there is that possibility that, you know, if, you're, if you've been a Spice Girl, you meet loads and loads of people. I mean, I've said to somebody before, you know, I've said, oh, hi. They've gone, hi. And, they go, and then they sort of walk, they go, oh, Steve. It's because they just automatically go, oh, hi. Yesterday, my, my goddaughter, who's ten, was laughing because I called somebody darling. And she went, darling? Because she's quite, she's quite upfront about it at ten. I said, yeah. So, Uncle Steve, why do you call them darling? It was the waiter, actually, in the restaurant. And um, I said, because I don't know his name. So I called everybody darling. I said, you know, I call them darling or poppet or oi you. That generally works quite well. And she, she thought this was the funniest thing ever. She thought this was hilarious. Mind you, we did have something with my oldest's boyfriend. OK, I don't want to make a big deal about this, but have you ever heard of this? OK, so we, we're in an Indian restaurant, OK? It's quite a nice Indian restaurant. It's very nice. You know, we've been there loads of times before, really having a nice thing. And so I've got my goddaughter, my oldest, my first, sitting next to me. She's 19, and her boyfriend is sitting on the other side, and they both have chicken tikka masala. Chicken tikka masala comes with a very, very almost fluorescent nuclear reactor kind of orange colour. You know, if you turned off all the lights, you could you could literally eat by the light generated by your chicken tikka masala. So they eat the chicken tikka masala, it's all very fine, all the rest of it. And then 
We've, we've got napkins. Not paper napkins, we've got proper napkins. He folds it up and he puts it into his chicken tikka bowl and pats it down. And we all look at him and we're going, what are you doing? He went, oh, I've just put my... Because uh, I thought they threw them away. He went, it's a napkin, they're sending them away to be washed. And you, you pat, It's like he was going to clean the bowl out. Well, my goddaughter was horrified. Horrified! I was equally horrified. <laughs> And I said to him, I said, you'll be listening to the programme tomorrow morning because we're going to be talking about that on the programme. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Have you ever heard of people actually putting a napkin into into a bowl which has got chicken tikka masala sauce in it and patting it round there as if you're trying to dry it up or something? Oh, dear me. Uh, there's a judge. There's always a judge. Um, and this is a judge who's ruled on an American crack dealer called Johnny Callie, jailed for seven years for conspiracy to supply crack and heroin. We can't deport him. Why can't we deport him? Because he's going to miss out on free NHS care. Aren't we wussy? Aren't we wussy? It's dreadful. The Home Secretary ordered him back to America when he was released early from prison, but because uh, he coordinated a gang who flooded Ipswich with a killer drug from bases in London and Colchester. But uh, Callie, who's diabetic, has high blood pressure and a dodgy knee. He argued that he and his depressed British girlfriend would not be able to afford medical care there. Oh, diddums. What a shame, Poppet. Oh, dear. I can only hope your illness gets worse. He's already lost two appeals, but now they've uh, said it would breach his right to human life under Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights. Apparently his girlfriend, known as SN, would struggle to pay for this. He's a drug dealer. I couldn't care less how they pay for it. Push her out on the streets, I don't care. And, they, and then the Home Office spokesman says, we are disappointed. Not half as disappointed as the rest of the people listening to this programme are this morning. Very, very disappointed. Um, another story here about... This is the, the little girl. Uh, this is the daughter of Amy Woolley. This is the 12-year-old who... And they, they've got it... Teddy Parsons got it wrong. This, it wasn't a primary school prom that she went to. This was made up. The school had nothing to do with this, Tony, at all. It was like the son the other day said that Lauren Goodyear was going into I'm a Celebrity. Well, I mean, she can't. She's not a celebrity. Not a celebrity. She can't go in there. So what's happened is she's already tweeted she's not going in there. But obviously the son had got it from somewhere that she was going in there. So they didn't check it. And Tony Parsons says this uh, daughter, Beth, was going to a primary school prom. No, she wasn't. She's 12 years old. You don't do prom until you're 16. You don't do prom for changing from one school to another. This is all made up. This is absolute... This is codswallop, I'm afraid. Absolute codswallop, Tony. What she did, they did it, they all dressed up, and then they went to a local pub, and they had a room there. There's nothing to do with the school at all. They don't have school proms at 12. Dreadful, you've got to explain things to people who've got columns in newspapers. I mean, Lord above, ladies and gentlemen, where would it all end? Well, it won't, actually. Not uh, not for another hour, anyway. Is it going to be sunny today? Not bother looking out the window. It's going to be dull, overcast and miserable. Loads more to come on your Sunday morning early breakfast from LBC with Steve Allen. We'll find out which celebrities got the people of Grimsby all hot and bothered. Can you imagine the people of Grimsby? Oh, hot and bothered on that one. Is Harry from One Direction going to go solo, as we all expect him to? I was predicting this ages ago. Helen Flanagan's in the papers, making a pudding in her underwear. When I say making it in the underwear, I think she's used a bowl beforehand. It would be a bit messy, wouldn't it, otherwise? Although, never let that stop Helen Flanagan. Have you noticed, Helen Flanagan's fantastic, just don't let her talk. Uh, all your texts and tweets, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And I'm going to mention that nasty little EastEnder, the guy who plays Dexter Harmon. 
This is uh, Carly Best. Nasty piece of work. I'm hoping they're going to drop him. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's next. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Sunday morning. I know the week and the year is whizzing through. We're already up to the 13th of July. You know, and already on the television, there's all the uh, programmes, all the crafting, things like that. They're doing Christmas cards. Christmas cards. Costco, I should imagine, give it less than three weeks. They'll be having all their Christmas stock in. I promise you, I mean, I, li- I like it. Probably too early, but... And I think you'll probably find in about a month's time, we'll have Harrods and Selfridges here in London who'll be opening their Christmas departments. The curse of the Ramones, the final member has died. Harry from One Direction. The rumours are there. Is he going solo? Or will the fans desert, as they've done with other people before who've attempted to go solo? And who's the celeb who's got the people of Grimsby hot and bothered? I'll tell you this morning. All on LBC. And the little boy who's turning to stone. It's really, really sad. He's dying. This little boy is dying because he's got a really rare condition that creates bone in muscle and other tissue. Once formed, the new bone can't be removed and his body will become so rigid it effectively turns to stone. It just affects one child in two million. One child in two million. And so little Oliver Bedford Gay was born with this rare decision. His father is a company director. His mother's a primary school teacher. They live in Sale in Manchester with Oliver and his brothers. And they say he's so full of life, the disease will randomly progress by itself. We, so we just take one day at a time. To look at him, you wouldn't know anything was the matter. But uh, it, was, it started off, he was born completely healthy, except for short, big toes that turned inwards. Then at three months, his parents noticed a lump on his head. And uh, after an operation to remove the golf ball-sized lump, it became apparent something was wrong. And he was diagnosed with this fibro- fibrodysplasia uh, ossifans progress- progressiva. Very sad. I mean, I've never even heard of this before. The new bones can't be removed because surgery causes more bone to grow. And he can't play contact sport as each bump can trigger more bone. But at the moment... They're just, they're just sort of waiting. He's got some restriction in moving his neck from left to right, but that's it. We know of another girl his age who has it, and she can't move from the waist upwards. Isn't that terrible? You know, we can do so many things in this day and age, and yet we can't sort out that because, you know, they don't, A, have the money for it, so they just try and make them, you know, as best they can. I always get so terribly depressed when you read about, you know, there's a hospice and it's for children and they've got terminal illnesses, some of them, and you think, it's not quite right, is it? It's not quite right that, you know, little children who haven't even started enjoying their their lives have them so tragically taken away. And some of them are so brave, so brave. Uh, domestic abuse leaving pets the hidden victims because they've got lots of uh, dogs who've been taken in and dogs get beaten. I mean, it's most tragic things that people do. You can't imagine. I don't want to depress you this Sunday morning. There's enough bad things doing the rounds without me adding to your woes that, uh, today. It's, but it's just dreadful. The things that people can do to animals and to other human beings. Not so good. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. On TOWIE, do the cast work on it? They all seem well-dressed. But the te- no, what they are is they're just sort of people who can't do anything else. And so they're real people, although when you meet them, they're really unattractive. OK, I don't want to be rude about it, but to be honest with you, I mean, once you see... Do you remember they, they did a feature a while ago, I think, on the girls and some of the boys, uh, without their makeup on, and they're really plain... They're really... I mean, I don't want to be rude, because I'm, you know, me, I mean, I'm, I'm not particularly... So I don't do PC. I think that's a bit naff in this day and age, you know. As far as I'm concerned, you know, you say somebody's ugly, you tap them on the shoulder and tell them. What's the point of letting them wander around thinking they're attractive? So if ever I see the Fahir sister, I go, excuse me, 
Really unattractive. Thank you. You know, and I, if I see Gemma Collins, I say, Gemma, great to see you. More at the salad bar, I think. You know, you've got to be nice to people. There's no point in sort of pussyfooting around. Because it gives them false security and false hope. And so that's why. So they, they give them these little scenarios and they play them out. And Chloe Sims gets done up as a Thai lady boy. And they send her out there and they say, right, you're, you're going to go out with Elliot. And then she goes, yeah, am I? Have you ever heard her speak? Have you ever heard Chloe Sims speak? It's like listening to a three-year-old. Her and Je- Gemma Collins talked like that. Yeah, Bobby, because I know, I know you, because I like, love you, and you're my bestest friend in the old wide world. And then Bobby sounds exactly the same. So he goes, yeah, because I really love you like Gems. I really love you, I really do, but I love Harry more. And Harry has like, been off with his other boyfriend, but I ain't got anybody else, because I look like Ming the Merciless, and who am I going to go out with? Because nobody in Essex likes me, because they all think I'm really unattractive. And I'm going, yep, you're really unattractive. And an embarrassment. Apparently, I was talking to one of my godchildren the other day, and they saw him walking down the street in Harlow, bright blue trousers, and that silly girly bag he carries. What is going on here? What is going on? It's all very worrying. Uh, 84850, Bill says you gave your age away this morning. I was joking. I was joking. Honestly, believe everything here on the radio. Um... Sue Ann says, I meet loads of northern lasses going to Wembley, the makeup. I know it is odd, isn't it? Why people want to trowel. We see them falling. And there was some girl this morning, bless her heart, honestly. She'd obviously been out to a nightclub and she put on her, her best Primark frock. And she was walking, she walked around the corner and she made it just as far as Subway. And then she had to throw up all over the place. And so she's throwing up in, in Subway's doorway. And I'm thinking to myself, a real class act, isn't it? You know, people who get so drunk. But it's, it's not just here in London, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. You can't, you know, you, you cannot go anywhere now without people staggering out of nightclubs. You know, it's, uh, it's hilarious. Uh, 84850, uk. A lot of people are agreeing with me that, you know, police officers having to be nice to people who are abusing them. No, I, I think police officers suffer more than enough, thank you very much indeed. They literally do. They're sort of, you know, they're out on the streets. People are rude to them. They kick them. They spit at them. They punch them. And they're expected to go, thank you. Have a nice day. You think, I'm sorry. I don't think I, I could be that tolerant. I don't think, which is probably quite good, actually. They could blame it all on me. Uh, Steve, I can't stand Vanessa Feltz. No, it, it appears, actually, that nobody seems to like her. Um, I don't know why. I don't know, Ray. And uh, all the ad breaks on television are showing clips of Susanna Reid plucking her early morning show. I know. I always think that's a bit of a downer, don't you, really? It's, it's a case of, you know, what would be more exciting in the morning? Test card of Susanna Reid. Test card wins. I'm sorry. Test card is more animated. And so that's why. It's just not happening, is it? But the, um, but the other thing is that they've got um, a new producer over at Loose Women. His name is Martin Frizzell. And Martin Frizzell used to be at GMTV. He used to be with LBC some years ago. He was a reporter, a reporter. And uh, he then went on to television and he was doing things. I always always remember Martin Frizzell because he had unusually long hair for a man of his age. He's married to um, that ex-GMTV presenter. Long blonde hair and she does the... Fiona Phillips. He's married to Fiona Phillips. She does the postcode lottery thing. And um, they've been together for a long, long time. And I like her a lot, actually. And I used to like... I just say, I didn't used to like him. I didn't know him. I worked with him. But because he was a reporter, he didn't sort of bother with... I was just a presenter. He didn't really bother with me at all. And he used to have this Mac he used to wear all the time. Anyway, that was neither here nor there. So he moves and he goes on to television. And then after he'd been there for ages, then they drop him. And I remember thinking, he must have made loads of money, Martin Vrizzell. He probably doesn't need to work ever again. Blow me down. They put him onto Loose Women. Now, I don't know about you, but, I mean, I think Loose Women lost its way ages ago. I, th- I don't know whether or not it was the production team, uh, 
I don't know. But we used to have at Five's Company uh, um, a studio, sorry, um, a, um, a director in the gallery called Joe. And Joe then turned up at Loose Women. And she's been there for ages. I mean, practically since it started, I think. And uh, she was bouncy, blonde hair, typical TV director. Not that I'd met very many in my life. And she was very good. She was very good. And all of a sudden, he just got rid of her. She went on Friday. And apparently the, um, this memo was sent out saying, I'm very disappointed that nobody's behind me and all this kind of thing. But I watched Loose Women the other day. It's rubbish. It just doesn't... I mean, I don't think a man understands how to put a... a group of women together on the television and make it entertaining. So now they're saying that the axe could fall and Sherry Hewson could go. And this kind of, I don't really know what the programme is. If I could put my finger on it, then I'd be fine. But I've got no idea what it is. I don't know what, who the target audience is. You're supposed to know who your target audience is. I don't know who their, their target audience is. And they sit there and they come up with a few things and they try and you know, make it sound a little bit intelligent, but then it kind of loses its way because you've got Colleen Nolan. I mean, she couldn't hold a, a, an interview with a breadbasket, let alone with intelligent women. They've only got to put Janet Street Porter on the panel and poor old Colleen's having to play it for laughs. Mind you, when you look like that, what else could you do but play it for laughs? I suppose you could join a circus. And so they all sit there and I don't know what they're going for. They put a few guests on. That isn't needed. You've got a studio audience who quite clearly just want to come in out of the cold and sit there for a cup of tea. Uh, they're not interested in the programme. And there's a couple of men who go in there of dubious sexuality who sit there and clapping like seals. But I don't know what the programme is. They did try, do you remember, they, they, they tried a loose men version. And it had people like Jeff Brazier on it. And it just didn't work. It was just a pitiful excuse. Because it just, you cannot have men sitting there trying to discuss issues of the day when they didn't really know what they were talking about. It just didn't work. It just did not work. You know, and sometimes, and I've heard criticism on LBC on numerous occasions saying, oh, they're, they're dreadfully misogynistic, these women. They're sort of, they're always slagging men off and they're doing this and that. And it is, I said, yeah, but they're trying to make a television programme. It's just that they don't know where they go. They've lost their way. Nick Ferrari has get, uh, got a column today in The Express. He's talking about uh, the attempts to dismantle Christianity. Uh, also, the uh, million public sector workers who were, who were striking the other day. And a number of celebrities under attack for pursuing tax efficiency schemes to save huge sums of cash. While not supporting anything illegal, when you read that nearly £500,000 of taxpayers' cash has been spent on legal fees defending... Former RBS boss Fred Goodwin in a case brought by shareholders and the bill could easily rise into seven figures. It gets tougher to blame them, doesn't it? Emma Watson, the runaways, he talks about the Terror Twins, lifted my snooper doubts. That's Nick Ferrari writing in the Express for this morning. It's quarter past seven. Morning, everybody. 7.20 is the time. I wish I could offer you a crumb of comfort today and tell you that it's going to be a boiling... Yesterday, I thought it was really hot. Really hot yesterday. A little bit hotter than I, I wanted it to be. Uh, Paul up in Manchesterford says, uh, I've just finished listening to Friday's edition of the programme on podcast, and Dad and I wanted to send our condolences, thoughts and prayers to Soren and his family on the loss of his mum, which you mentioned during the programme. As you may remember, we lost my mum, Kath, to ovarian cancer a little under seven years ago. It's a topic always on our minds. Since then, my niece Samantha and her friend Becky, who both appeared in Shameless on Channel 4, have helped raise many thousands of pounds towards looking for a cure to this particularly nasty form of the disease. In fact, they were both asked to be spokeswomen for ovarian cancer and have done many radio, magazine and newspaper interviews about it. The thing with this form of cancer is that, uh, other than experiencing a bloated, sickly feeling in the stomach for an extended period, there are really no warning signs. 
And all I would say to any women listening who have this bloated feeling for more than a couple of days, go to see the doctor. Get yourself checked out. I spent my life, Paul, telling people, go see the doctor. Go get yourself checked out. And this applies to men as well. If you've got sort of, you know, if you, if you want to find out if you're diabetic, if you're going to the toilet quite a lot of times, you've got blood in your urine, you know, check yourself out in the shower. Women check themselves out. Men have got to do exactly the same. You know, better to be safe than sorry. And if we can save one person and somebody then goes, you know, on your advice, I went to the doctor and blow me down. I'm diabetic or whatever it happens to be. Anyway, uh, kind enough, he says, please, to wish a happy birthday to a good friend to so many. And that's uh, Sheila Finesilver from Cockfosters. Morning, Sheila. She celebrates on Sunday. Not the best year for her, as you know. So she gets love and best wishes. A busy few weeks for birthdays, as in a couple of days' time, it's Jackie from Paddock Wood. Celebrate it. Both, of course, Sheila Finesilver and Jackie, 39. So love to them both from my dad, Bill and I, and their many friends around the country. Too numerous to mention. And last of all, the auctioneer song. This was a song that I was trying to sing during the week, and it goes, $25, We didn't know what it was. I just know it was the auctioneer song, and it's Leroy Van Dyke. Best known for his biggest hit, Just Walk On By. Wait on the corner. Thank you. He says, any live shows planned for this year? I think there'll be a, a Magic Circle show. I'm pretty certain there will be a Magic Circle show. Um, Strangely, says Ian, I've just had a mail from Winter Wonderland. Discounts in advance. Is Christmas around the corner? I bloody well hope so. I love Winter Wonderland. I can't wait for it. I think they should have it there permanently. I I want to go and watch it all being set up this year. I don't know why. I've just got this thing I want to see. Um, And Alan says, I'm in Durban, South Africa, pottering around, preparing to move to the UK... In three weeks, and missing good radio so much, you're an absolute hoot. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. You're an absolute hoot. Not all radio over here is like this, I have to tell you, but uh, I wish you well with the, uh, with the transference. What's the weather? I must do the- oh, so- somebody else wrote in to me about the fact that um, the BBC are intending to increase the number of black people on EastEnders to 15%. It's pathetic, isn't it, in this day and age that we have to go, we think we need to increase it. Why can't they just represent what's out there? If you remember... Coronation Street never featured a black person for years. Absolutely for years and years. It was, it was so backwards. It was untrue. They had the biggest gay village in the country. They never even mentioned it. And again, all the gay stereotypes in most of the programmes, they're a little bit wussy, I'm afraid. It's not particularly good. He says, maybe that's the reason they don't want to sack Carly Best, as it will reduce the number of black people on the programme. I'm sorry, you cannot have... I don't care whether it reduces the number of black people on the programme, but I don't want somebody like Carly Best, who's quite clearly not a very nice person... You know, his career is hanging by a thread because he's an idiot. Now, if it turns out that he, that he has problems with, with drink or drugs or whatever it happens to be, then they should sort that out. But you cannot have somebody getting into a taxi. The, the driver thought there was something not quite right about him. Shouldn't have taken him in the first place. But anyway, gets out, asks for £61, which was on the metre, and he gets punched in the face. Well, I'm sorry, if I did that... Can you imagine if I did that... If I actually, as an LBC presenter, went out there and punched somebody in the face and they went to the paper and said, Steve Allen punched me in the face, my bosses would be going, uh, let's have a little chat about this. It's bringing the company into disrepute. And I would have thought anybody on EastEnders who employs somebody like that, well, they, they, they're bringing the show into disrepute. I don't want to see somebody like them on screen. Not, I mean, I wouldn't mind if this was first time. This is the second time that he's had a little bit of a confrontation. So uh, let's try and sort it out, shall we? Where's the weather? We got the weather for today. I didn't know. I was actually not sure whether or not the weather was going to be good at some... I did bring my little umbrella. A little bit excited there. Brought my little umbrella. Just to make sure that, you know, it was going to rain today. I have a feeling it is going to rain today. 
which is uh, which is not the best. I was listening to Ken and David yesterday. And there were so many things I wanted to say into the radio. So many things I was prevented from saying into the radio. But very funny. Very funny at the best of times. Uh, they were talking about all these issues which are in the paper today. The allegations of rent boys in Westminster and uh, boys in care homes. And it's, it's just, it shows no sign of flo- slowing down at all. It really doesn't. It's just going to, it's going to run and run this one. And I suspect that there's probably even more to come out. And more names in the frames. They were... Uh, yesterday talking about the peer who is alleged to have had 20 young men stand up and say that they were abused in a home by him but he used to go to the House of Lords up until Christmas then he stopped going and they now say he's got dementia bit fast I suppose bit fast but it it does doesn't exonerate him but they're now deciding whether or not there is a case to uh, to answer. Uh, little Judy says, I was at Wembley last night for the M&M concert. Brilliant time. Only issue with sound was the support act. Couldn't make out what they were saying, but I hadn't come to see them. Yeah, no, it was that they said the sound was, was dreadful. Nathan went on... Where did he go? He must have gone th- Thursday, I think. I think he did two two nights. Sorry? Was it just last night? No, no, it must have been. No, he went to see the night before, so it must have been last night and the night before, yeah. I would think. Is he on tonight? No, he's not on tonight. No. But he said the... He said the... Literally said you could feel your chest moving with the sound. Mind you, he's only a thin person anyway, poor soul. 84850, steve at uk, And, uh, Steve says, Dave, I think you told a porcupine this morning. I don't believe Gary Barlow's got more money than you. Well, I like to play it down a bit. I don't want to... Because nothing worse is than somebody on the radio going on about how rich they are. I mean, I try and play down the gold mine in South Africa and the fact I've just been willed a diamond mine. I don't want to mention that. And the fact I own two hotels in London and I've got a block of flats in Reading. I've got a couple of other things in Cleethorpes, but I try not to talk about that. It makes me sound a bit chavvy and down market. But no, I mean, but Gary Barlow, 66 million they put into this thing. You know, you would know what it is. You just don't give your money to somebody and they go, oh, don't worry, I'll look after it. They tell you what they've done with it. That's the whole idea. That's the whole idea. Uh, George said it was my wife's birthday yesterday. We both enjoyed the show very much. We're off to celebrate at Miller and Carter's in Brookman's Park this afternoon. Heard it's very nice. There you go. And he says, you're welcome to join us. Oh, she's going to be thrilled, isn't she? We're going out for a romantic dinner and Steve Allen pops along. Hardly the best thing, I think, but uh, she will have a very nice birthday. I hope you bought a present. I hope you bought a present. That, that would be the best thing to do, wouldn't it? Buy a nice present. Somebody says, you're the only person I know that can go from Mel B to chicken tikka masala sauce in the same sentence. I can. I, I, I wander, I'm afraid. I wander. I'm not very good at uh, sticking on the straight and narrow. I, I do wander. I, I go off down little cul-de-sacs, and then I get halfway down the cul-de-sac, and I, th- and I can't remember what I was talking about, so I have to come back up the cul-de-sac, and then I've forgotten which cul-de-sac I was in anyway, so the whole thing just turns into a total disaster. Where is Mario, Steve, uh, in Towie? Uh, suspended, I believe. There were allegations of... Uh, of uh, all sorts of things going on with poor Mario. So what... That's dreadful cold, honestly. It must be hay fever. Oh, excuse me. Uh, dreadful hay fever. And so uh, he was suspended. So he went out to uh, to Marbs, and I don't think they featured him in the programme. He, he's got a clothing range. Have you noticed they're all business people all of a sudden? You watch. The moment the programme finishes, all these businesses will disappear quite quickly. Uh, what else we got? Uh, it says here, I discovered your show a few weeks ago. Thank you for the laugh, says Helen in Glasgow. Well, of course, you're in Glasgow. You don't have many laughs, do you? I suppose a laugh in Glasgow would be finding, finding where you park the car. That's always quite good. You know, where, where did we put the car? Uh, somebody else says, um, 
uh, you know, I, somebody says you can't half talk. That, that would be the idea, I think, on a speech radio station. <laughs> that would be the idea. It'd be awful if you've got somebody who was mute. The, the programmes wouldn't be, wouldn't be half as exciting. Uh, I had that uh, experience with the, with the sound at an Elton concert. The bass frequencies were so distorted, the, uh, the contribution was inaudible. And it is difficult trying to get the sound right. It's like when you stand at the station. I can't understand what they're saying. I cannot understand station announcers. You would think in this day and age they would actually learn how to do these things. But uh, so far they haven't, they haven't managed it. So I sort of sit there thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. And they go, And you have to try and guess what it is. Because I never know. I never know half the time. Oh, who's this? It's a picture of little Ryan Giggs. And uh, he's on a beach, I think, with... Uh, Who's he with? Oh, he's with his wife. Well, there's an unusual picture to see in the papers nowadays. It's quite sweet, isn't it? More on the uh, the loose axe wielded. Do you think other people could be in the frame? Who knows? Pictures in the Express of the house that uh, Ed Sheeran is bidding to buy. He's already got a farm in Suffolk and a £2 million place in Tennessee. It's in Malibu. Costs £2.2 million. I mean, so he doesn't have to keep staying at friends' houses like Courtney Cox and Jamie Foxx. Lovely. Time now for you. It's 7.30. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 8. Sunday morning. My friend Jonathan Levi went to Eminem last night. He said he was very good, but the sound quality was pretty dreadful. Pretty dreadful. No uh, suspicious-looking SIGs on stage that I saw. Dreadful getting out of Wembley afterwards in the car. I know. Uh, my, my godson went there, I think six or seven, and they met up. In the end, it was about 11 or 12 of them. And they came back by train. By train. But getting out, this was a nightmare. So many people, everybody trying to get out at the same time. Uh, Martin says, coconut water contains uh, less than 1% fruit sugars and vitamin C. That's it. Delicious. I love it. I love it. It's got a lot of potassium in it, but you're not, you're not supposed to have too much of it. Very smart soup, Martin. It's obviously not Primark, is it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. Uh, My eldest is having a school problem on Friday for leaving primary, all a bit over the top in my view, says uh, Eason. Yes, I mean, you're supposed to have them at 16. They don't have proms at 12 now. And that's why it was wrong when they said that this was a school prom. It was nothing to do with the school at all. Nothing. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, I love this one from Ian who says, At Kay Burley, at Steve Allen Show, Morning Kay, oh yes he does. <laughs> I want to know, oh yes he does what? <laughs> and Nicholas says the same. I'm thinking your Twitter feed, Twitter feed will be filled with that same reply. Oh yes he does. What does that mean? I need to, I need to find these things. I, I never sort of find anything. It just, it just could be anything at all. Um, do I do Nandos? Nan- Sorry, Nandos. It's Nandos, isn't it? Uh, no. Have I ever done Nando's? No. Will I ever like to do Nando's? I don't think so. Not my sort of thing at all, I'm afraid. If I want chicken, I'll stay at home and have it. Uh, weather for today. Here we go. Scattered, locally heavy showers. Later in the afternoon, showers tended to become more confined to the east of the region. Brighter spells developing in the west later, but feeling warm. It'll be about 17 degrees at the moment, climbing to later 20... Oh, nothing worse is a 23 degrees. I'm going to hate it. I'm absolutely going to hate it. In fact, I'm really, really going to hate it. Uh, Julie says, Eminem was on Friday and last night only. Thank you. So, uh, a late night for a lot of people. Just getting home, I suppose. Uh, now that White D is allegedly going to be paid 100 grand to annoy the nation on Big Brother, do you think she'll have to repay the council the money that went missing when she lost her job in Birmingham? 
uh, that time she did have a job. Just wondering, says Sonia in Loughton. Yes, no, I mean, she's, she's irritating, she's fat and bloated, she's a waste of space. I love the idea that the government are cutting back on anybody who claims to have depression. You know, so easy to go, I'm depressed. I could finish this programme going, I'm really depressed. Very depressed today. And they put you on medication, otherwise they're going to stop your benefits. I think we hand it out far too willy-nilly. There's so many people cheating the system. And uh, she was just somebody who's got irritant factor. That's why they put her in Big Brother. They've got to find somebody who you don't like. If they're putting people on there you like, you won't watch the programme. If you like somebody, you're not going to watch them. Nobody cares about likeable people. They're just boring. So you've got to find a failed page three model, some blousy old creep from up north, uh, a benefit person. And uh, there's a new series coming out. The same company that gave you, I think, the benefit thing. They're doing Immigration Street. They're going to Southampton to find a street full of immigrants. I mean, it's just, it's just got, you know, the word cheap naff television. They don't, they don't make decent programmes anymore, do they? They just go for the lowest common denominator, a bit like Loose Women. But th- there was a, an email that was sent out by Martin Frizzell. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But, it, it, I mean, I would think it was highly unlikely that somebody like Martin would send this out, knowing that somebody somewhere would leak it to the press. So last week... Martin, who's the editor of Loose Women, blasted the team for their lack of enthusiasm and failure to back his deputy, Siobhan O'Gorman. He emailed, this is what allegedly it says, to say I am underwhelmed by your lack of ideas, creativity and enthusiasm is an understatement. I'm not impressed. No, more than that, I'm really disappointed and hurt that you expect Siobhan and me to carry you. So Joe, uh, Joe Johns has left. And they say there's a huge shake-up of the panel. Well, there's not that many people on the panel, is there? I mean, how many people are on it? You've, you've got just a, a few people. I mean, the ratings have fallen down. And I suppose, you know, they, they could act Sherry Houston and Jamelia. Did you read in one of the papers that you... Did you read in the paper this week? It was so funny. Sam Fahirs, you know, the one who can barely string a few words together. Talk like that, you know? We talk like that. You know, she's not, she said, I'd like to be on Loose Women. I thought, talking about what? Talk about what? You can barely string two words together in Towie. And that sort of kind of gives you a bit of a free reign, so there's no point in asking. You cannot ask a 23-year-old to pass comment on world news. She's not intelligent enough. She really is not. Between her and her dim sister, you know, there's no point in inviting them onto the, uh, the programme. They're just, they're as bad as every time we had to watch poor old um, uh, Jordan on it. You see, that's the trouble, you see, Martin. If, you, if you're going to do a programme and you're going to try and, I'm assuming you're either going to go for the lowest common denominator, which Carl was doing, and he was seeming to achieve... Look at, look at this morning's ratings. I'm assuming they're not bad. Admittedly, not great with, um, you know, Eamon Holmes on there. But, nevertheless, the programme shrugs its merry little way through. But if there's somebody in the paper you don't like, like Josie Cunningham or White D, they will put them on the programme. So you know you can be even more angry in the morning by watching these people on the television. But loose women, they, ha- they haven't quite worked out whether they want to be intelligent, like the Janet Street Porter things, who can talk about it. And they should have kept Carol McGiffin. She can hold her own in a conversation. They absolutely should have kept her. And yet, for some reason, they hang on to Colleen Nolan, who's so much low rent, who's so low rent, you know, it just doesn't do the programme any good. So they need to find out where they're going. They need to find people who can have a conversation without dominating. Every time they have Jordan on there, and it's a waste of everybody's time, because she comes on and thinks it's her programme, and the whole programme is all about her. Whereas nobody's really interested. That's why she doesn't have a TV programme at the moment. So when they put White D onto Big Brother, I know exactly why she's gone on there. It's to annoy you. It's so you can sit there and throw things at the television because everybody hates her. You know, Vanessa Feltz. Would Vanessa like to come to the Durham? No, I won't. Do you remember? She had her little tantrum on the television. Oi, fat bird, diary room, now. 
And she, she had this sort of break. She started writing on a blackboard. She went through a complete breakdown, series. It was, it was, it was almost sad to watch, really. It's almost been roughly the same ever since. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Do you know they were debating something in the House of Lords the other day, and I was amazed at how empty it was. It was, it was almost three quarters empty. I thought, are they serious? Or are these old buffers sort of hanging around cemeteries waiting to die? It was terribly sad, terribly sad. Um, uh, is Paul O'Grady in the best of health? He's not bad at the moment, actually. He's, not, he's slowed down a bit, which is good news. Everybody thinks that's good news that he's slowed down, because you don't want him to, uh, to work too hard. And uh, somebody says, big fan of your shows here in Pattaya in Thailand. Lunchtime here, and we're getting ready to go for a roast. What, in this heat? Are you mad? A roast. Although, actually, we had Indian food last night. We had Chinese lunchtime. I could have eaten Thai. We haven't eaten Thai for a little while. I like Thai. It's a bit more delicate, isn't it? It kind of fits in the, in the balance. And I haven't had a good roast for ages. Probably not going to have one today either. As uh, We're going to do a little bit of exercise. Do a little workout. I think I should bring out a workout video. Everybody else brings them out. I'll just have a picture of me in a park looking fat and bloated. And then underneath we'll go, Steve got a DVD out very shortly. I could bring it out for Christmas. I could have a personal trainer. There must be a few people from The Only Way is Essex who are available at the moment. And I, I could have a... I, I could have sort of a personal trainer. And then... And then I could bring out a DVD... And then I could be rich. Even richer, if you bring them out. Because there's a few celebrities who are bringing them out already. And you start thinking, the moment they're actually pictured in a public park with their, uh, their huge tummies hanging over the top of their tracksuit bottoms, you know they're bringing out a DVD. Uh, are those women on loose from it, says Sean, representative of British women today? If they are, I am terrified. Well, they're, they're a bit of everything. You get the, um, the barking mad Sherry Hewson. You get um, Andrea McLean, who's going into this ridiculous programme about tumbling. It's going to be made by the BBC, and it's so they can teach people circus skills. And they've got that poor old dreary has-been Sarah Harding in it. You know, because she quite clearly can't get arrested for anything else. Singing career? Don't think so. Uh, Acting? Finished. You know, what is it? Are are you in a group? No, finished now. I did love it the other day. Little Minx. Mix. They, uh, they, uh, they said, they said we, want to be- we want to bring out a movie like the Spice Girls. I thought, you really don't want to bring out a movie like the Spice Girls movie. It was the biggest turkey that we'd ever seen. It was the biggest waste of space, biggest waste of time. It was absolute drivel. Absolute drivel. But I think absolutely appropriate for Little Minx. Mix. They're, they're a very odd-looking group, aren't they? I can't quite work out if it was really a challenge for the record company to find four people so desperately unattractive and put them all in one group together. You know, there's not anybody who's good-looking in the group. It's like they've done it deliberately to wind me up. Poor old uh, Gary Barlow. I'll still go back to this. You know, nobody said you're evil, Gary. Nobody said you're evil. But um, his, uh, his tax row words to his best pal, he plans to sue the money advisers. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I, don't, it's, I think it's a case of, if we hadn't heard about it, this would have carried on. The government need to close these loopholes... And to make sure that they can't do it. Nando's had a thing that, again, their money was channelled overseas. And it, it seems they're all doing it. So, in other words, we're paying out huge amounts in benefit. And for some reason, the government can't close any loopholes. They just... They, so people get away with it. People get away with it. Emily Lloyd on Love, Motherhood and Her Dad Trigger. I can remember stories about Emily Lloyd. I seem to remember in my dim and dark recesses, mad as a broomstick... Mad as a broomstick. She did a film and then she sort of went, she went off the rails a bit. I can't remember what it was, but her, her dad was uh, Roger Lloyd Platt, you know, Trigger. 
It's uh, Greg Wallace who's swapping rum bar bars for the rumba as he's going to be going into Strictly Come Dancing. He thinks that, um, he says that the show will help rebuild his public image. I don't think so. I really don't think so. He's also apparently having his uh, tattoos removed before squeezing into Strictly's tight sequined outfits. No. I'm sorry, people just see this as a shameless bit of naff publicity to get your fizzog on the television. Nobody's remotely interested. I'm afraid you cannot redeem yourself. I can't think of any celebrities who's, who's sort of gone so far off the rails and there was a brawl in a hotel and then tried to rebuild it again. I don't think the public are interested. I don't think they are. I think they, there's something not quite right. Not quite right. Oh, that's a lovely picture. Who's that? Oh, it's Rita Ora. Rita Ora. I don't know enough about Rita Ora. She used to go out with somebody famous, which is good. And uh, Billy Fahir's. Remember Billy Fahir? She, this is this the two. If they took their makeup off, seriously, and pushed them out on the street, she'd be hard pushed to identify who they are. But uh, Billy is already using her status as a new mum because she got pregnant out of wedlock. Okay, so let's not really sort of cheer too much from the rafters. But she's taking over the lease of uh, of Lauren. Goodyear's Beauty Salon in Brentwood. I mean, it makes a bit of a joke, doesn't it? Lauren Goodyear Beauty Salon, because that one closed due to lack of interest. And she's going to open a kid's shop. Uh, Billy and her younger sister Sam already have their minis boutique, but now they can't wait to stock baby clothes. Billy is so excited she can't wait to buy tons of clothes for her baby and kit out other people's too. How awful. I don't think you'd ever want any of their fat. They know nothing about fashion. What, you've only got to look at what they wear on the programme to realise they don't know anything about fashion, do they? It's terrible. Uh, after the, uh, the short break, Kim Marsh's divorce is now official. You know, she's the one in Coronation Street. OK. And Tamsin Althwaite, the former EastEnders star, has gotten into a nasty row over child maintenance with her ex-husband. Oh, my God. It's quarter to eight. <laughs> Stick and Abel. Stick and Abel. Stick and K. Stick, I think Stick and Abel sounds quite funny, actually. Uh, we're with you after the news at eight o'clock this morning. Actually, talk your funny things, which make me laugh. I pick up a copy of uh, TV Extra magazine, and on the front cover, Millie McIntosh. You can see how she's going to age. You've only got to look at the face to realise she's getting very old now. And Stephen makes her happy and secure because she's with... Um, She's with Professor, whatever his name is, Professor Green. And so all this is is just a PR puff because she's the face of some new product or something. It's a load of old hooey. It really is ridiculous. But, uh, and as I say, her parents must be so thrilled. Here's our daughter posing in her underwear again. What a waste of a good education. But even funnier was an interview in the magazine uh, with, um, and I thought she disappeared off the face. I don't know where she was, in, in the, even in the country. Ellen Rivas. Ellen Rivas. Hello. Was in the, you know... My skin looks amazing. Celeb beauty, Ellen Reaver. Who's she? This is Frank Lampard's ex from about 500 years ago. And she's still touting the story. God, blimey. Mind you, laugh a minute. Laugh a minute. Brooklyn Beckham has got a job. Yes, he's bagged himself work experience with Guy Ritchie. Apparently Guy Ritchie is like Dave's mate. You know, not that I've ever seen them out together, but apparently he's his mate. And so, four days last week at the Movie Makers base off London's Oxford Street. So he was taken there by his dad in the Bentley and dropped off, and then a member of staff collected him later on. And I thought, wait a minute, but I thought that Brooklyn was working as a barista. Oh, no, silly. Oh, I'm so silly. I'm so dumb. That was just for cheap publicity purposes, not working as a barista at all. He was clearing tables, I suspect, in a, in a coffee shop. And uh, a source said his parents are very keen to keep his feet on the ground. Yeah, I know my parents were exactly the same when they ran me to school in the Bentley. It was really to keep my feet on the ground. You know, we had to do it. And uh, we used lots of our famous filmmakers, the Attenboroughs and everything else, to get myself some, some, some coverage and stuff like that. It's a load of old hooey, isn't it? They're just, they're just so publicity hungry that they've got to try and go for just about 
everything on the programme. Uh, 84850, uk. Gordon says, uh, it's Sandra's birthday. Yes, 29 again. She'd be delighted if you wished her uh, all the best. We all love her very much and hope she has a, a great day. So, uh, so happy birthday, Sandra, for today. Yes, Madeleine McCann, I think it's nine and a half, nearly £10 million, isn't it, that has been spent so far in four years. But we don't know, Sandra and Gordon, uh, how long this runs. I'm assuming it runs for, for quite a while. I'm, assume, I'm only guessing. I don't think they're actually going to stop any time soon. Love the pictures of uh, Oreo. Put on Facebook last night, says John. Not by me. I put them on, on my, my Twitter. So thank you for that. And, um, and apparently we can't deport many foreign criminals, Steve, because of the Labour Party's human rights. Kept in place by the Lib Dems. Well, that's why you've got Call Clegg on LBC. No gays in Manchester, but says Paul. That's about three quarters of Canal Street. Tony Warren, the creator of uh, Corrie. Anthony Cotton, whose classic evening excuse for a chat show, if repeated, would give Good Morning Britain a run for its money. And from just up the road, the lovely Amanda Barry, who played Alma, has announced her civil partnership plans over the weekend. She's 78. She's 78, Alma, and she said she's going to get married. I think it's to Hilary Bonner, who I think used to be a showbiz writer. I'm pretty certain... Pretty, pretty certain. Uh, Howard says, how about you and Nick Ferrari bringing out a fitness video? You're very cruel and very bitter, but it's a brilliant idea. And uh, I absolutely love it. Um, And very quickly, let's just finish off with some of the other stories on the front pages of the papers today. The Sun running with the East Ender. This is uh, Carly Best. Woo! Uh, Carly Best gets in a cab, as you know. And they have a bit of an argument uh, at the end. I don't know why. And he punches the cab driver in the face. He gets a police caution and his career is hanging by, by a thread. I hope they drop him immediately. I think it's just absolutely atrocious. We cannot have this kind of behaviour in the capital and we've got to stamp it out as quick as possible. Express for today, uh, Queen fears red arrows will be axed. There was always this talk some years ago, wasn't there? They were going to axe the red arrows because they were so expensive. And uh, I love the red arrows. I love anything like that. I love the vapour trails and all the, you know, I'm, I'm a forces child, so I like that kind of stuff. I grew up around aeroplanes. You used <clears> to <throat> like the Spitfire, though, love, didn't you? I did. Like, I did. Yes. Uh, yes. I was. I was. Yes. And possibly even before that. Well, I don't get back as far as you with the biplanes, but I remember seeing you doing wing walking. I think back in the 1850s. Oh, you stole my line. <laughs> I knew you were going to weave it in. <laughs> this is Kay Burley, in case you Morning. thought I was throwing my voice. Morning. And doing somebody else. So th- morning. This- Sorry, I thought I'd done morning. No. Oh God, you're so bullying. Morning. Morning. Okay. So this Thatcher. Now you've got somebody. Is it Leo Absey who wrote a book? He's written a- his book, and he's mentioned the former Speaker of the House of Commons, Lord Tony Pandy, and how he was gay, but he never came out. Right. It's off- Do you know there was more stuff going on inside the House of Commons than I ever thought about? It never crossed my mind. When, when somebody phoned up and asked for, we, I've got some money for entertainment, I thought jelly, ice cream and a clown. No, rent boys. Would you have thought of this kind of thing? I, you- I wasn't expecting you to say that, no. What, jelly, ice cream and a clown? No. I know. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? I weave it in everywhere. I thought you were going to say Bolivian marching party. <laughs> no, that never crossed my mind at all. That never crossed my mind. But it's, it's now, rent boys are everywhere. But they must be about 70 by now, these rent boys. They must be really ancient. Well, they're not rent boys anymore. Not rent, bo- rent old men. But it's, it, it shows, now they say Thatcher, that there was a cover-up. Well, you can say anything, can't you? Because she's not here anymore. We're never going to know. They keep losing documents. You say anything when people are still here. I do say it. Well, because I get angry that, you know, there's certain things. That sort of, this, is, this is so historic. You see, Stephen Fry had a bit of an argument at a Labour Party dinner. Did he? And he started saying... 
half the people who've been stopped by this Operation U-Tree, they've not been charged with anything, but they've been named in all the papers. And mud sticks. People go, oh, it's in the paper. It must be true. We know that's not always the case. It's not always the case. Because we read about that at the Daily Mail this week, didn't we? We did. We did. You see, Stig got his own column this week. I did. He's just, well, I didn't see, but he's just been telling me about it. Oh, has it? Yes. He was very excited. I got emails. Apparently, it was very good. It was very good. He said so. Yes, he said it was very good. Yes. And I love the the biggest thing on the page was the picture of him. Good picture, though. Presents, presents. Present. Oh, present. Oh, no, little presents now. Little presents. Look, I've done little presents. You've got Grape. me grapes. Grapes. OK, well, I've not got you anything. <laughs> Look, it's a really lovely present Don't for buy you. presents anymore. OK, it's I'm not buying expensive. you any more. No, it's too expensive. I know. Because, you know, you expect something in return for I this. I don't. More than grapes. No, I don't. No, you mustn't. It's too, look, I can't accept something like that. Okay, I'll take go- it back. No, don't take it back. You can't <laughs> give it and then take it. <laughs> anyway, so presents for today. So I've, I've let you great because I thought you could nibble on them during the programme. Thank you. Do you want oranges as well? No. Oh, okay. They make my tummy ache. Do you want oranges? Mm. These you can eat. They're very, mm. very good. And if the worst comes to worst, you can tread on them and make a small bottle of wine by the end of the programme. <laughs> Not that I think. Do you drink red wine? I do drink red wine. Do you? It's yeah. good for your red wine. Yeah, I know. Not the quantities I drink, but yeah, I know. So, yeah, so I can't do red wine. I get a headache. Do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can drink, at the moment, Prosecco. I love Prosecco. Oh, is that yucky yucky? I've it? never met a bottle of Veuve Clicquot I didn't like. Oh, right. I wanted to buy champagne the other day, but it was way too expensive to buy. I thought, the rate I'm drinking it, no, I can't afford that. It's like 179 quid. But uh, anyway, what? I'm... For a case of champagne. Oh. <laughs> Not just a bottle. Heavens above, woman. Anyway, I'm back tomorrow from four. If you missed any of today's show, please podcast. And you can get it through our podcast service. There's an app and everything. Larry Lamb is here from 11. All right, treacle. And uh, next, though, it's Kay Burley and Stig Abel with your Sunday morning breakfast show. And ladies and gentlemen, here she is. Yeah.